Welcome to the Business Perspectives by Hawk FX, a podcast series with industry experts in international business, providing clarity on doing business overseas. Hawk FX, clarity through perspective. I'm Paul Harvey, and a very warm welcome to the Business Perspectives podcast with Hawk FX part of our podcast series and today I'm with Greg Smith. So Greg the uh, topic of today is common mistakes with currency risk management and my first question to you is why is currency risk management important in the first place? Good question Paul. For any business that's operating internationally it's clearly going to be a major impact and input feature whether a business is importing or, or exporting the foreign exchange rate that they're converting their goods or services at is going to have a, a major impact on the bottom line, the pricing and the business model of any business. So the, the question then of currency risk management becomes really important. And we've seen that recently with political and economic events, which really highlight how volatile the markets can be, not just in currency, but with currency as a major part of that. We've seen this through Brexit with major dislocations, big changes in, in currency rates. We've seen it again through COVID with big changes to the, the rates of currency, but also changes to other linked areas from an international perspective, particularly with things like commodity prices, things like freight. And all of this can have a very direct financial impact on the bottom line of businesses. And are there some common issues that you see companies having problems with on this? Yes, I'd say one of the really common areas that we see with teams and with smaller businesses in particular is where they are taking a view or guessing on which direction a currency will move. For most businesses, it's really not their day job. They've got the underlying business. And as I said a, a minute ago, it can be a really important factor and, and feed into the pricing of a business, which can lead finance directors and, and treasury managers to have a close eye on the market and to try and decide, well, actually, is it a good time or isn't it a good time? The issue with that is that it, it's not in itself a terribly effective strategy. The markets go up and down. And what can happen is that it, it can lead to businesses trading at worst times and not trading at the time that they know what it is they're going to have to buy. It's better just generally, I think, to manage the currency uh, purchases or sales that you need to make as a business according to those objectives. So if you want to set your pricing for the season ahead, it's far better to have those rates fixed to be able to say, to the business as a whole, we know what the price is going to be. We can publish a brochure. We can set out our price list and be competitive and have a, a profit margin that we're happy with and not have to worry about it rather than deciding, oh, if it goes up another two or three percent, we'll get a bit more profit out of it. I mean, what else can be an issue then, Greg, for companies dealing with currency? Can you name a few? Yeah, so I think probably another one following on from taking a, a view would be thinking about the emotional side of things. So a lot of businesses won't have a sort of a formal risk management policy in place. And so they'll decide what they're going to do and how they're going to do it. 
on the fly from month to month, they may then have expectations of where the market will be and where they'd like it to go, where that, where it might go. And they'll continue to trade on that basis. So again, leading up to Brexit would be a good example that if you expect and your business is based on you being able to buy euros at 125 or at 130, when you're suddenly down at 110 and it's 10 or 15% lower, if you haven't planned and if you, if that has a significant impact on the business, it's left you in, in a difficult place from a business perspective. The risk then can be that now that you're in a worse place, what do you do then? And that's where emotions can really be difficult. And you can find businesses deciding that they have to trade because of fear of if the market goes further, it's going to have an even bigger impact on the business. You can also see that the opposite way. So if as a business, the market is moving in the direction that benefits you, uh, we see businesses saying, oh, I don't need to do anything because uh, the market's going higher. So if I don't do anything, I'll get a better rate in the future. And again, what you then see is at some point the market will drop and, and move in the opposite direction. And part of the problem, I think, is when you've anchored your mind to a certain rate and to a certain level, it becomes increasingly hard to then take something that's worse than that. And where companies are then trading with emotion, it tends to A, lead to less good outcomes and, and B, you can have people in the finance department then spending a lot more time and energy on these things that, than they otherwise would or should be doing. You took me by surprise, Greg. I didn't expect you to bring the word emotion in at the same time as trading. <laughs> <laughs> trading with emotion. That's a great strap line, Greg. Great strap line. <laughs> so do companies then end up getting worse rates accordingly? Yes, that quite often ends up being the case. Um, and as I say, you can anchor uh, your mind to a particular rate. In some cases, it's sort of even worse because then what can happen is businesses can say, okay, uh, I've anchored my price. I've got my expectations at, at 125 to buy euros, for instance. And when it goes down to 115, I look at it and think, oh, it, it was 125. It, I've priced from 125. Maybe it will get back up there. Maybe I'll hold out to see if I can get better. If it gets to 120, maybe I'll do it there because that's a bit closer. And I won't lock in now because this is sort of the lowest it's been. And, and that's quite often the hardest point is when you have a move and it's lower than it has been. And then companies quite often have individuals uh, quite often have a, a, an aversion to locking in those rates, but also quite often what they see as locking in losses so quite often in that case companies will then hold out uh, and wait to see if it gets a bit better but again sometimes what happens in the markets is when they start moving in in a particular direction they will continue moving in that direction and going back to my trading days the the trend is your friend was always something that was banded about as a as a trader's uh, sort of base strategy that's almost works against you perfectly in this sort of situation where it starts going against you but if it's going to keep going that way it's only going to get worse and in that case Hope isn't a strategy from an FX perspective. You can't just hope that things are going to get better. 
Uh, I like that line, hope is not a strategy. You're coming up with some really good lines today. <laughs> I mean, it's a good day. It's on fire today, Paul. What can I say? Trading with emotion and hope is not a strategy. I think that's <laughs> great statements. How's the euro doing at the moment? Stable, I think, is probably a good statement for it. Uh, you know, I was talking about pre-Brexit and where things have been. We've been down as low as, as 105 against the euro, buying it with a pound. And we're back up to around about 116 at the moment. Okay. There may be more scope for upside if Brexit and the economy go smoother as we come out of COVID. Unfortunately, not many people getting a chance to benefit that with with summer holidays and things at the moment, it seems. I think people are generally feeling a bit more positive, you know, latest variant aside. So... It's certainly heading in the right direction. In the right direction. Feel. There's a danger that you might say hope is a strategy. But anyway, <laughs> I won't put you on the spot. So what are some of the other things you hear from companies right now? I would say one of the things that we do hear a lot uh, is that we've always done it this way. So mm. quite often we're talking to new people about what they're doing and, and talking about what might happen. And quite often the result is that the companies don't like change and and i guess we are humans are creatures of habit we don't really like change we've seen that uh, in abundance over the last year with with people locked up um it's not it's not a nice it's not a nice place to be and trying to get i suppose not just trying to get a, a person to change it's it's quite often then a person trying to get systems to change and other people to accept that change so quite often that's something that we end up talking to people about a lot. And I suppose one of the things, the way I think about it, is that that markets are constantly changing. You know, we've changed through Brexit. We've changed what businesses need to do and how they need to do it. We've had major changes this year in, in terms of costs of freight and availability of goods. And the same applies from a financial perspective. So as the markets do change, uh, businesses need to think about that and need to keep up and need to keep considering whether the way they're doing things is is still the best way. Managing change has got to be a, a big issue right now. We've gone through so much change. If you have a fear of change, that, that you just have to adapt, don't you? You can't live under that umbrella, really. No, you're absolutely right. And as, as you say, the amount of change we've seen over the last year, and I think we'll continue to see, uh, it feels like in many ways we're, we're probably just at the start of it from an FX perspective and in, in terms of businesses uh, doing things internationally. So many examples of the way things, changes have been forced on businesses mm. with trading with the EU. They're having to completely rethink that from a supply line in terms of the documentation, the times taken. We've had all sorts of issues with uh, freight costs and delays some through Brexit, much through just the global supply chain and, and shortages. I was speaking to a client this morning whose prices are going up in, in terms of their input prices and they're going to pass those prices on. And again, it's some of what you'll see in the news as a result of this and, and seeing inflation starting to go up as a result. Oh. So all of these things are are constantly changing. I think one of the big things that we try to do with clients and, and something that we always think is quite useful is is just asking questions about what could happen and what if this happens to the business, what would that mean? What if we get a move in the price of this to this level 
how would that affect the business and that generally i think is quite a good in many ways and, and in, in many changes is is just to ask the question and think about what if it did happen how big would the impact be and that can then help you to decide how worthwhile it is spending time putting things in place and, and what you can do to then manage that risk so you're talking about pricing and price rising and are the banks guilty of this? Generally, I think what we see is we are a, a smaller player in on the global stage. And one of the things I think in terms of risk management and, and currency that many companies and individuals are still doing is paying too much for the service. Essentially, as you say, banks have historically had a captive audience and had larger fees and, and spreads and lots of companies continue to to accept those those prices and those fees without thinking about it because it's the easiest way of doing things in many ways and i guess the banks capitalize on that they don't have any motivation to change although it is gradually happening there's actually two sides so the first is the fees and and the fact that you know, people can be paying too much on the actual conversion but the second thing that actually i think can have an even larger impact mm. is that quite often people won't get help with a strategy and with thinking about how they're going to do it and how they can manage it asking the what if questions and and doing that kind of thinking and again from experience certainly with smaller clients banks tend not to do a, a lot and, and many places many people don't help their clients to really put together a strategy and think about how they're going to do it. That can really have a big impact on a business or a private client for that matter. So just to summarise then, going back to the topic, common mistakes with currency risk management, what are the best ways in managing? What do you advise? Good question. And I think you've done a couple of quotes for me earlier, haven't you, Paul? That are ways to uh, to categorise. I think hope is not a strategy. I like that now. I'm, I'm going to keep using that, I think. Um, the best way, I think, is not to have to manage it at all in, in that sense, not to be trading on emotion, to take all that, having to think about it and having to spend time worrying about it out of the mm. equation. Um, the way we try to do it and think about it is to to think about the exposures to think about what the business needs to do to try and put forecasts in place and then to build something around that so to define a policy to manage it which is fine and then the sticking bit sometimes can also be hard we also try and, and help people on that side and then going back to the change element it's fine and you can do that now but the market changes the business changes and the business need changes and again, things might just not end up working as well as you thought they would from the outset. So whatever you do put in place, as with many things, I think you always need to go back over time and, and review and refine and update it as the situation changes. So that would be the way we work with our clients and the way we'd suggest is a, a pretty good general policy, not just for currency, but in many areas, if you're looking at your freight situation, if you're looking at insurance, if you're looking at uh, your financing arrangements, I think with all of those, it takes, you know, you benefit by following a similar sort of, of process. Right, well, thank you, Greg. That's all very interesting. Great insight there from you. If people want more information, how can they get hold of you? What's the best way? They can go to the website and get in touch with us from there. It's hawkfx.com. 
Uh, if they go to hawkfx.com forward slash business perspectives, they will see these podcasts and the articles that go along with them and with some of the topics we've discussed today we'll probably come back and dive into those in a little bit more detail in the future thank you very much greg and thank you for listening to this business perspectives podcast by hawk fx clarity through perspective thank you for listening to business perspectives by hawk fx clarity through perspective for all your money transfer needs whether you are a business or an individual, visit hawkfx.com.